Welcome to CoinGeek Conversations. Well, this week we're going back to basics to talk about exactly how Bitcoin works. If, like me, you've come into this field without a technical background, you may have found yourself nodding sagely during discussions of addresses, keys, and signatures without really knowing what they are. Well, today I'm going to stop nodding and demand an explanation that I can understand. And for his sins, my teacher is going to be Brendan Lee, the training and development manager of the Bitcoin Association and a Bitcoin entrepreneur himself. So welcome, Brendan. Thank you, Charles. It's great to be here. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. Well, what I'm hoping we're going to be able to understand at the end of this is what a digital signature is and what verifying a digital signature is. But let's start um, with something a little more central, which is public keys and private keys, because I think we're going to have to understand them first of all. So perhaps you could just give us a little introduction to that idea. Sure. Well, uh, really, a, a, a private key and a public key exist together as a, as a pair. Typically, a private key is a, something like a random number, something that I generate privately and which I keep private to myself, and then from which I generate a public key. So I take that private key and I push it through a mathematical function, uh, and and there's some elliptic curve mathematics in there, which we, we don't necessarily need to go into. But what essentially happens is the private key uh, through that function leads to a point on an elliptic curve. And the coordinates of that point is the public key. But just to be clear, um, when you talk about you generate this and then you have to do this with it, this all just happens, basically. This uh, all through just the software. It's, there's no that, there's no maths involved for me anyway. No, I, I mean, look, if if you're really keen, you can you can do it by hand. Uh, but I mean, you you really would need to know exactly what you do. It's not something I've ever done. Uh, but typically, if if you generate a Bitcoin wallet, um, what what happens is that the wallet calculates what's called a, a master private key. And then from that master private key, uh, basically an unbounded number of other private keys can be derived. And, and so essentially what's happening when you're using your wallet, the, the master private key that you create never gets shared with anyone. And, and so that's always kept, well, actually none of the private keys get shared with anyone, but with that master key, even the public key that corresponds to that is, is not typically used for anything and um it's only keys that are derived from that master key that actually get used within the wallet and so um wallet software does this in quite an efficient manner and so um if you go into uh the electrum software you can actually see a list of keys that it already has generated and has sitting there waiting for you to use. And so then every time you want to receive some Bitcoin into your account, that that allows you, as, as per the white paper, to 
use a brand new public key that's never been seen before in that transaction. Yeah, you mentioned Electrum, but that that's just a particular type of wallet, right? Correct. Yes, it, it's one of many wallets, um, and you know there are by now you know tens of wallets that operate on the Bitcoin SV blockchain, and they all operate in a, a very similar way. So they all create a master private key, and they all keep, uh, or mostly they keep a or they create a a derivative set of keys and those are the keys that are used when you are um you know transacting on the network but, but there are particular reasons why we're referring to electrum in this discussion because of some yes properties. well uh, electrum has some additional features uh that are quite useful uh such that it can sign digital messages using those same keys so that you can establish that you control those keys. And it was, in fact, uh, the software that was used when Craig Wright demonstrated his control of the keys that related to very early Bitcoin blocks to Gavin Andreasen in the key signing sessions. And John Matonis, yeah. And exactly. John Matonis, yes. Well, so... Now let's. You've mentioned signing. So, what exactly do we mean by signing, and and how does it relate to just sort of paying money from one Bitcoin wallet to another? Well, there there's signing a, a message, and that message can be anything that I want it to be, and then there's signing a Bitcoin transaction and. So what happens when you sign a Bitcoin transaction is that you need to use a very specific message. And the message is comprised of a bunch of different pieces of the transaction um, and built in a very specific manner. And it's done that way so that when you submit your transaction to the network, the node who receives it can reconstruct that message without needing to speak to you. And so really what's happening is it, it's the same digital signature that would, or, or the same digital signature algorithm that would be used if I was just signing a, a piece of text or a, a software um, program hash or, or whatever, but the, the message is very specifically formatted to sign a Bitcoin transaction. Okay, I, I think we need to go back one step because you've introduced this word signature. Um, sure. I mean, having sort of got an idea about private keys and public keys, perhaps you could get signatures into, into relation with them. Sure. So to create a digital signature, you, you need three things. You need the private key that you want to use to sign that message. And so that might be a private key whose public key you've shown to people. And so they they know that that's, that's a key that, that you want to use to establish some sort of um, uh, information or, or, so or ownership. If, for example, I wanted to demonstrate that I have control of that public key. Yes. Uh, yes, that's exactly right. Uh, and you need the the message. 
And so what happens then is, you know, if you're using Electrum, you you put the message into the signing. Uh, well, maybe at this point I, I could share my screen and I could actually generate a signature in Electrum. Right. So, yes, as we were saying, uh, Electrum has uh, the very useful additional feature of being able to generate signatures uh, using the keys that relate to the Bitcoin wallet that it, it effectively is managing for you. Just for revision purposes, if I've got, mm-hmm. if I know my private key and I know my public key, then I'm going to be able to generate a signature. Well, you don't, you don't, I mean, if you, if you know the private key, you can always calculate the public key. So yes. it's, you don't necessarily need to keep that. I mean, Electrum keeps it right. because it's. Okay. So I know my private to key. Have it there. Yes. What else do I need to know? You just need to have a message. Oh, okay. Right. So uh, I'll share my screen here. So I've got uh, I've got Electrum, um, I've got Electrum open. So in Electrum, there's this neat little feature under Tools where I can sign or verify a message. Now, uh, what I need to do actually is I have to go into my key list and I have to select a key. Uh, and I can sign a message with that key. And so it will just, it it does uh, a useful thing where it just says I'm using key one. It's like a conjuring trick. It's pick a key, any key. Pick a key, any key. And so uh, if I wanted to demonstrate that I was the person who did a particular transaction, I could go to that transaction and say, well, I'm going to sign using that particular key. And so... What I would do is I would come into this part of the application. Um, I would type a message. Uh, Brendan used this key, and I would sign that message, and it needs my password. And that is the signature that is generated uh, using that message with that key. And so now, what can happen is that I could send you this message and that public key and this signature and using your Electrum SV, you could verify that I control that public key. Right. Well, maybe rather than sending it to me, we could pretend that this is my Electrum now and verify it here, shall we? Sure, we we can do that. Uh, well, so I mean, it, it's quite easy at this point because I just need to click verify, and it verifies the oh, signature. Okay, so that's a bit. But if I if I delete the message, and I tr- I type in wrong signature or uh, type in a different message, Charles used this key. No, he didn't. Right. But um, if I put the same message back in. I can verify that signature. Right. So if I open my um, Electrum and just paste it in that uh, uh, signature. paste it in that signature, and I I gave you the key, so it, just typing key one in there is no good. I would have to give you the address of that key. The full uh, the full, the, the, full the full The full key. Uh, then Electrum would be able to determine that right. 
I, I, I used that key to generate this signature. So you basically need those three things, the message, the key, and the signature, and then it just says verify. Correct, yeah. It's not a case of give it any two of them and it will tell you what the third one is kind of thing. No, no, you need all of that information. Right. And so, so this is this is useful. So th this is used quite widely um, when software packages are being distributed because what what can happen and, and what has happened in the past is that people will go and uh, create a version of a piece of software that is just slightly different and so they'll and I mean this has happened to Electrum SV they'll create a version of Electrum SV that sends them all of your private keys and then when you receive the bitcoins they'll they steal them from you and so what happens is that every time the people who create Electrum SV release a new version of the software, they hash the software package uh, down and, and generate a, a short message digest. And, and so that, that hash can only be generated if you have that actual package. Uh, they take that hash and they sign it using a public key that everybody knows is the public key of Electrum SV. And so when I download their software package onto my computer, I can I can generate the hash and I can then put that into that dialogue and check it against the signature that they provided for that particular version of the software. And I can check that what I have downloaded is the correct version of that software right and even one comma changed or something would create a new hash would create a totally different message yeah that's correct right so it is it, it's actually a very useful tool it, it's used in quite significant and meaningful ways uh very much so yeah right it is it is quite a, just sort of stepping back it, it is um something that it, it's quite it's kind of hard to know where to place this in the sort of information that a person needs to understand about Bitcoin, because it's quite crucial in some respects. It's talked about a lot in relation to those proof sessions with Craig, of course, mm -hmm. Craig Wright. But it is pretty techy stuff. Um, and and it, I guess, as you said, it sort of harks back to cryptographic um, techniques that are really outside of Bitcoin. Is that right? Yes, very much so. Um, I mean, so the signature that's generated there is it's not useful in Bitcoin because the message is not a Bitcoin transaction message. Uh, and there are also things about how the, the signatures are formatted in Bitcoin that are, are not the same here. So, uh, but you know, the, the, the mathematics that are used to generate the signatures are the same. And so, you know, it's it's a technique that was uh, adapted not not in any really huge or significant way, you know, the, the, the change, or not change, but really the, the, the additions that Satoshi made and the techniques he uses to construct the message that gets signed is, is all very... Uh, tried and tested. He wasn't doing anything significantly new. He was just taking something that existed already, was well tested, 
very proven, highly trusted as a, as a technique, and then applying it to a digital cash system. Yes, because in that software verifying uh, process that you described, there's, that's got nothing to do with blockchain or Bitcoin or anything really to do with this. No. People can try this at home, basically. Um, Absolutely. Uh, uh, which is which is interesting, and then and then hopefully when you do hear discussion of whether things have been signed or whatever, um, you will be able to actually understand what it's all about. <laughs> you know, it, it's despite being mathematically complex and you know needing uh, quite a specific tool to to use, it's it's not that difficult, and if if you can learn to use the tools, it's it's actually uh, a very good way of ensuring, you know, especially if you're using software like Electrum, that you, the, the software that you're accessing is indeed the software that you think you're accessing and not a fraudulent version that's been put out by somebody who's trying to, you know, take control of your possessions. So I think part yeah, of it, the complication is the language that, you need to know the difference between a signature and a, you know, a, a, an address and so on. And it's really sure. that those things that sort of look and sound very similar to each other, but are actually crucially different from each other. That's where, for me anyway, it, it gets confusing. Well, you know, that's, it, it's interesting that you mentioned the word address because we should be a little bit specific here. An address is different again to a private key. Oh, okay. So, well, let's let's well, add that on as a PS to this then. Sure. You know, just, just to give you an overview, you start with a private key, and, and it, again, that's something that you generate yourself, uh, and maybe you have a master key and you have lots of other keys that are derived from that. You can take any one of those private keys and from it generate a public key, and then what happens is from the public key we generate the address, but it's actually not possible to go from the address back to the public key, and it's not possible to go from the public key back to the private key. And so it's not an address that you need for a signature. It, it, it's very much that you need the public key. That and, and when you look on a block explorer, you're seeing addresses, not public keys. Is that right? That's correct. Um, yeah, it's interesting but, because, because public keys sound like they're in public, but they're not really. Well, as soon as they're used, uh, the so when when I send bitcoins to an address, what happens? So the address is there to mask the public key. But as soon as I go and spend that coin, I I am forced to expose the public key, you know, in public as part of the signature process because the node can't validate the signature without the public key. So the 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 way that transactions work today is that that what actually is in the the output that you're spending is uh, a hash is the is a a modification of the public key which is what we call an address but back in those very early days of bitcoin they didn't use addresses they just they just put the public key straight into the output and so it, it was very easy to, for them to select a public key even though those coins hadn't been spent because the public key is right there in the output and everyone can see what it is so. Right. Uh, okay. Well, that's a useful distinction to to understand, I think, as well. Well, Brendan, thank you so much. Um, always a pleasure My to talk pleasure. to you and, and always 
very useful as well. So thanks a lot. My pleasure, Charles. Thank you very much. Have a great evening. Thanks very much to Brendan Lee for the interview and extra thanks to Brendan for making those really clear graphics he sent me afterwards. If you're listening to this as a podcast, take a look at the CoinGeek YouTube channel to see them. Next week, we're continuing on the technology theme because I'll be talking about IPv6 with Alessio Pagani from Enchain. Lesson one, it stands for Internet Protocol version six. Thanks for listening and please join me, Charles Miller, for another CoinGeek conversation next week. Bye for now.